Welcome to episode 28 of the DC Drop, where we talk the week's news in DC movies, TV, and comics. I'm Tom. And I'm Zach. Let's give a quick little update on Aquaman box office. Uh, just big picture stuff. It's still not out in the States except for some previews from the Amazon Prime previews, but it made $126.4 million overseas this weekend. It's got a $261 million total already. It is pacing 65% ahead of Justice League and more than double Wonder Woman in the same international market. So international markets where those films open, same pace, if that makes sense. Yeah, this is this is really good news. This is that's a, a good chunk of money and it's it's doing pretty well. And obviously you're, you're talking about that pacing. That's pretty good pacing. I it would be sweet if it made more than Justice League. We'll see about that. But um, it's not going to make double of what Wonder Woman did, but it would be cool if it did that, too. Um, but yeah, I I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that Aquaman hits one billion and that would be a just absolute smash success. Yeah, it's crazy to say it's 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 doing really well where it has opened, and these are really strong and encouraging early numbers. Obviously, you need to see the legs, you need to see how it opens and domestically and how it holds and everything. But a really really encouraging start box office wise, and I'm pretty sure this is it still hasn't opened in the states, and it is the highest grossing DC movie to not feature Batman, Superman, or Wonder Woman. Yeah. <laughs> So it's all, and not that DC has any monster hits outside of those three, but you know it's ahead of the the Green Lantern, Constantine, those kind of films. It's it's ahead of all of those. Yeah, not not a huge bar to cross, but it, it's definitely crossed it. Yeah. So elsewhere, a Plastic Man movie is in development, according to the Hollywood Reporter. They have this first. Amanda Adoko is writing. She doesn't have a ton of experience. She wrote one episode of The Mayor, which was a short-lived show on ABC that actually finished up its run on Hulu. And she wrote the upcoming movie Breaking News in Yuba County, which is not out yet. Yeah, so not a big name, but again, not a huge character that a lot of people have knowledge of. So this is the perfect kind of project to take a chance on a a lesser known talent, but somebody that you see some promise in and and give them a chance to just go crazy. That is a really optimistic way to look at that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, (laughs) if, you know, it's an inexperienced writer, if she turns in something great, awesome. Let's go with it. If it is not great then what do you lose you know plastic man movie not being put in development um that's not a big deal I, I like plastic man i guess i haven't read or a ton of plastic man outside of some team-ups he's a character that's been featured a lot in animation batman the brave and the bold uh plastic there's actually a plastic man show that started in 1979 in animation but not a huge character but definitely a more comedic character and something fun and something maybe lower budget that you could focus on. Uh, the surprising thing is Warner Brothers has apparently wanted to do this for a while. So from the article, article it says the, the project is in the early stages and has no filmmaker on board. Details of Adoko's take were not revealed, but her hiring caps a half-year search by the studio to find the right person for the job. Warner's is planning on staying true to the lighthearted and even silly tones of the character, say sources. Yeah, so it seems like they're pretty committed to it. I guess they're, I think they're looking for some more lighthearted stuff. Obviously, that's a that's just like a common criticism that people it's easy to go after that all the Warner Brothers DC stuff isn't lighthearted enough. So maybe that's why they're trying to commit to some of that. Or they just they really think that this has chances to to be a breakout. Um, but yeah, like you said, not super familiar with Plastic Man as a character, but he's been in a lot of places and definitely a goofy character that they could do some fun stuff with. Yeah. And like I said, with with the Blue Beetle news, I- I, I have no idea how to predict where this might fit in any things or if it will fit in any things if it comes to be um, stuff to get excited about any one 
character getting put into development, but uh, it, I think it is smart to always have these scripts being developed. Next up, some casting news for Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Chris Messina has been cast as Victor Zaz in said film. So he's known for The Mindy Project, Argo, and Live by Night. Some nice big stuff. Um, and Zaz is a sadistic serial killer who carves a tally mark onto himself for each of his victims. Zaz will be working in cahoots with Ewan McGregor's lead bad guy, Black Mask. I really like Messina. He is he gets to be very funny in The Mindy Project. He's obviously done more dramatic roles. And Victor Zaz would be a more dramatic role. I, I don't really see him. You know, He doesn't jump off the page as that's Victor Zaz. I wonder if he's going to shave everything and, and go full into it. But I wouldn't have predict, predicted him for this role. But I think he can do a great job because he's a really talented actor and, and pretty versatile. And uh, Zaz is a terrific choice for something like this as a secondary bad guy. You know, if he's working with Black Mask, he's out there trying to chase down or kill people. That's kind of what he does. So I think he's a, a terrific secondary type villain. Yeah, Black Mask and Zaz, good team up, good villain cahootery going on. And um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. There's, there's definitely going to be a lot in the makeup and design of this character that can make him a lot scarier than Chris Messina looks right now. But obviously, like most <laughs> of the pictures, he's trying to be like pretty and headshots and stuff. I don't think he's going to try to look that uh, as Zaz. Yeah, definitely a different type of role. But Zaz is, has been getting around lately. It was in Batman Begins and Zaz was featured a lot in Gotham. So uh, not the most popular of the Batman characters, but definitely one that makes a ton of sense here. Moving on, another uh, supporting role that's been cast for Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Actress comedian Ali Wong is going to be an associate of Renee Montoya in Gotham Law Enforcement, according to The Wrap. Yeah, I'm not sure, not sure who that would be, but a uh, pretty impressive resume by Ali Wong. She's done acting stand-up comedy i think and some writing and stuff so a talented person to get into this unknown role yeah a talented funny person i wonder if they'll want her to rely on her comedic chops or if it's going to be a more serious role but we'll have to wait and see and then also robert catrini has also been cast in an undisclosed role yeah so this cast is really filling out we're near i mean we're, we're nearing the final weeks of actually filming this thing so uh, a lot of these supporting roles are going to be coming out on in a little bit of animation news, DC Universe announced that their new DC animated movies will be available the day they are released on DC Universe. So this is pretty big. Uh, starting with January's Reign of the Superman, they will be available apparently the same day they are released digitally, I'm guessing. They don't go into detail on it. It was just a, a 10 second bit on their DC Daily Show. But yeah, that is that is good news. Yeah, it's really good news. It's awesome for people who have uh, DC Universe because then i mean you're probably still going to want to buy the movie just so you actually have it but then you can you can definitely just buy the the physical copy if it does come out the same day as the digital it'd be really cool cuz then you can just buy the the physical copy but still watch it when it comes out earlier that right. would be like the perfect combo yeah that's the coolest thing um i mean this will turn away a lot of people from buying them i'm sure and it shows sorry for those who can't get dc universe but this shows how kind of a good deal it is these are 20 bucks a piece or so and three or four come out a year. I don't know if they're going to do all of the Lego animated movies, the DC superhero girls. They don't, they don't go into any detail, but with reign of the Superman. Yeah. The big deal for me is you can watch it first day digitally and then still get the physical copy and not have to buy it twice. Like some people do or, or worry about that at all. Yeah. So cool thing for them to do. All right. On to DC universe. We've got some casting for star girl and a lot of the JSA is starting to come together. So we know there was going to be big justice society presidents presence, some older characters in here, and now we're starting to get some of those names 
First up, Joel McHale, who's done a ton of stuff and is well-known for community, has been cast in a recurring role as Sylvester Pemberton, according to Variety. So Pemberton was the original Star-Spangled Kid. If you don't know, that's Stargirl's original name was the Star-Spangled Kid. Pemberton also was Skyman in the comics, but the article says it will be a Golden Age Starman. I think they're going to merge them like Jeff Johns did in the Smallville episode, Absolute Justice, which Sylvester Pemberton was in. So it sounds like they're kind of putting things together. I don't know if Pemberton will be the first Starman or what, but uh, that is some complicated stuff there with Star Spangled Kid, Skyman, Starman, lots of different Starmans. So it makes sense to have maybe one Starman and then Stargirl wants to be Stargirl because of Starman. I think that that simplifies things a little bit. Yeah, simplifies it a little bit. And Joe McHale, like a huge name, lots of people like him. Another really big get for this streaming service for this, for these shows that you thought probably, I don't know, a couple months ago, maybe a couple years ago would never exist in any kind of way, but we really are going to have this show and Joel McHale is going to be involved. Yeah, a good get, like you said. And it's impressive what DC Universe has done. I know the Titans cast was mostly unknown, but since then, it's they've gotten a lot of big names, relative big names for these roles. So it's it's described as a courageous and confident superhero. Starman is a member of the JSA. He wields a mysterious anti-gravity weapon called the Cosmic Staff and has a longtime sp- sidekick named Stripesy, who is better known as Courtney Whitmore's stepfather, Pat Dugan. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm excited to see the the Cosmic Staff in in action to see and the costumes too. That there's some really cool costumes for Star Girl and the whole star family whatnot and so i'm excited to see joel in that but yeah this is a, a kooky show and i'm i'm excited for it that's an interesting point i wonder if they're all going to have if the jsa is going to be retired or if they're all going to be in costumes still still fighting crime i know they've, they've said they're older maybe retired but they might be keeping their costumes around or or how they do that but i'm glad we're going to see some so many of these jsa characters yeah uh some other casting news for star girl lou fregno jr uh, who's been in SWAT, but you probably know his dad as the Hulk, uh, is cast in a recurring role as Rex Tyler slash Our Man. Um, if you don't know who Our Man is, he's a master chemist and adrenaline junkie who, as Our Man, is a thrill-seeking superhero with the ability to manifest super strength for one hour a day, hence the name Our Man. He's a founding member of the Justice Society of America, and he struggles with balancing his life as a hero and father. Yeah, Rex Tyler, there was once a CW had an Hour Man show in development a few years back, and Hour Man has been in Legends of Tomorrow briefly for a few, I think a few different appearances there. Um, but yeah, another one of the well-known JSA characters. I'm not familiar with Lou Ferrigno Jr., but uh, obviously a big big name. A lot of people know Lou Ferrigno. Yeah, and an interesting concept of a character, again, adding to the to what's going to be a pretty interesting cast of people in Stargirl. And another big-time jsa or Ted Grant, Wildcat. Brian Staff from The Purge and The Walking Dead has been cast in a recurring role as that character. So it's going to be not a ton of detail on it, but it's going he's going to be a former heavyweight boxer, as in the comics. You might know Wildcat from season three of Arrow, where he trained Laurel and then was apparently left for dead in the streets. But Mark Guggenheim later said he didn't die. That was really bizarre. Um, he kind of he was in several episodes and then got really beaten brutally and was just left in the streets and that was the last time we saw him but he's apparently alive in that universe but a really weird thing but a really cool character and uh definitely fits with his older jsa type characters yeah another really cool character like you said and then one more ian ziering has joined the cast of swamp thing as blue devil 
So he, you might know him from Beverly Hills 90210 if you're a little bit older or if you're younger and you've been watching the Sharknado movies, he's been in those as well. Uh, but he's going to be a recurring guest star on the show. Uh, and then they had a description of the Blue Devil, which says, Stuntman turned movie star Daniel Cassidy became semi-famous after playing the demonic Blue Devil. But now, eight years later, Cassidy finds himself living out his days in frustration, pining for his former fame while on a collision course with destiny. Yeah, I wonder if that's going to have the Blue Devil origin included in there. I'm not familiar with Zeering, but yeah, just a really cool casting get for longtime DC heroes in live action uh, that, that really weren't on our radar at all in terms of showing up anywhere. That's pretty exciting. Some fun casting. Yeah, I hope we get to see like in universe, like the movie too, like they film some fake scenes for the movie and we get to see him as blue devil that would be pretty cool oh yeah and there's been there's been nods in other shows to blue devil i think just like movie posters in the background i think yeah. the flash might have had that in several seasons ago and things like that but to actually finally have blue devil that's that's pretty cool uh character to see uh in titans the season finale of titans is actually going to be this friday so the season's only going to be 11 episodes initially they said on on the first DC Daily thing with Kevin Smith that it would be 12 episodes, but it will only be 11. I don't know if they're saving one for later or cuts one. I'm always curious about the behind the scenes type stuff. But yeah, only 11 episodes for season one of Titans and it's about done. Yeah. And it's if they're telling a good story and they have a good place to end the, the story for this season, I, I don't care how many episodes they have. I'm, I would much rather have them cut out episodes or put one back if it serves the story, if it helps keep down on the clutter like don't put in fluff just to get to the the right number of episodes that you said you're going to have and that's that's the kind of freedom that i think you have on the streaming service that you maybe don't have on on networks but i don't know i've liked titan so far so i'm i'm happy with what they're doing that's a really good point i've been critical of some streaming services shows in the past that feels like they almost don't have editing and just because they're not constricted to 42 minutes they think they can yeah. go 50 55 60 and you know there's all sorts sorts of different shows that do that and it, that could use some editing so i wouldn't like you said i'd much rather have a shorter season than longer um it always does make you wonder where it goes but like this last episode of titans was really short i think it was 36 minutes or so if you take out credits but as long as it's good i would much rather have that than a 50 minute episode that only had 30 minutes worth of content yep all right let's go on to some feedback some stuff from elseworlds so if you haven't seen elseworlds haven't listened to our review or or don't want to be spoiled now would be the time to check out but let's talk about elseworlds uh first up is a twitter question from at jr batman 23 uh want to address the superman series rumors so uh i don't know if there there's not really been anything behind this there was an unverified report a couple months back from a fan site that has i don't know if they've ever had anything right that said a Superman series was going to be a, uh, the Elseworlds would actually be a backdoor pilot for a Superman series as well as Batwoman. Uh, that was denied. And TV line, Bitsy Tolick said that she talked to, to one of the producers about it. I don't, I don't know what that means. If she just said, Hey, you should, we should do a, a Superman series, uh, or what, but I don't think there's anything concrete to suggest that. And, uh, with Elseworlds, the way Elseworlds ended, it seems like they don't have any plans for Superman for a while. Yeah, I think it was, I mean, it seems more like in the story that it was a way to get Superman out of Supergirl for a while more than trying to spin off into another show. But like you said, Bitsy Tolick said that potentially maybe it was something she talked about and she and Tyler Hecklin would love to work together again. But I think people say that a lot. But yeah, I I, I mean, 
I think there's a lot of other spinoff shows that would happen before this happened, but that doesn't mean that it's 100% not going to happen. I think um, I think a Superman series could be cool. You could do a lot of cool things, especially seeing uh, we haven't seen a lot of prime Superman. And maybe with the events, this one is past his prime. But to see Clark and Lois and maybe raising a John Kent Superboy, if there's a time jump or something, that could be a really cool series. I don't see them doing a Superman series with Supergirl on the air just because uh, they're Supergirl. If you look at it structurally is very much a Superman show in terms of hero in a media, you know, she works in media, she fights aliens, like the, the general structure and some of the main characters is very similar to what a Superman series would be. So I don't think they would want to have two very similar ones going on at the same time. Yeah. Which now that you mentioned though, a Superboy show would, could be really cool to see, like an older Superman and Lois as parents um, and then like dealing with a kid growing up with powers, like even a, a young kid way younger than Smallville. I could, I could get interested in that. Yeah, that would be a fun, definitely a different way to do it. And that maybe that would give it a enough difference from the other Arrowverse shows that CW would be interested in. And maybe, you know, they would just, if there was Superman in it, they would want to do that anyway. Too good of an opportunity to pass up, but I would, I would be surprised to, to see that yeah me too um next up we have another twitter question from brandon hall at renaissance comic it's weird i actually found this year's arrowverse crossover far less confusing and messy than last year's i love the character interaction much more i especially love bitsy Tullock's lois lane that's awesome i really love the character interaction as well but i i i think this is referring to i think i was the one that was probably saying it was most confusing when we were talking about it on the review but um i don't know it it just did seem kind of messy it i wasn't like super confused of why things were happening it was just okay where is this going why is it not i i understood what was happening it just didn't really all fit together because there was just so much happening at the same time at least in my opinion but yeah that's it's tough to explain um last i, I that's interesting that you thought last year's was more confusing and and messy um i think there was there's definitely more story going on more characters going on things moved faster last year and maybe that's why it, it seemed that way and there was definitely some of those you know every episode of these shows every crossover has those confusing and and maybe a little messy moments things that aren't clear um i just noticed this one for me there were a lot of little things that weren't that i didn't quite get um so the main story i didn't think was very confusing but maybe a little lean there wasn't too much to it but a lot of the details were what were confusing um why did green arrow and flash see each other's biggest villains when they were fighting in arkham uh, I wasn't sure on that and things like that. I don't, I don't want to name them all off, but there was tons of little details on that that were a little confusing that you can find answers to if you think about it hard enough. Uh, something with reality being warped that, you know, the fear, to we don't know how that fear toxin worked and, and all that. You can come up with justifications for it, but there were so many. Um, in the past, there would be one or two an episode. And for this one, it seemed like there was almost one a scene that I was trying to figure out. And um, you can either let that go or... Some people were able to come up with you know, justification faster than me. Um, I was trying to figure out a lot of those things that, that didn't quite mesh in my head, and I was trying to figure them out. That, that took away from some of those awesome character interactions. Actor interactions. But you're right. There, there was great character interactions, especially if you focus on the Barry and Oliver stuff. And when Kara joins it, that's all, that's all great. And it's different from Crisis on Earth X. Last year, there was a ton of characters interacting quick past interactions and here we got to see a little bit slower look at things and so 
I thought that was, it's a different way to do it. And it's a just as good a way if executed right. And I like Bitsy Tolick's lowest lane too. I thought she did really good with what she was asked to do. Yeah. And if, you're, if your main goal in the crossover is to get that character in action, to have these characters together that we don't normally see together, which is a pretty big goal in the crossover, I think they did a fantastic job. Like you said, the, the interaction was on point this year. Um, and so it's almost like the lean story that didn't have a whole lot of meat on it didn't get in the way of the interaction. Whereas maybe in some of the past crossovers, there is so much going on. The story is heavier, crazier that maybe you don't get that interaction, especially like with evil versions of the characters. You're not really like you're seeing the actor, but it really is a different character. So you're not getting as much interaction. Yeah, I do like how the structure of this, how it seemed a little smaller, focused on smaller characters after a huge huge multi-character crossover last year and with what we know is coming last next year uh and probably a more serious story next year i think this is going to be i think it was smart to go something a little uh smaller and a little bit more fun uh to balance out in between those two bigger ones yeah for sure we also got a twitter question from keenan walker do you feel the batwoman and or the john wesley ship flash buildup was too much for what we got in elseworlds i mean i I've been watching these CW shows for so long and watching the promos for so long that I I think I have like a pretty good gauge of where to put my expectations because of like how much they hype stuff and then normally it ends up not being that big and important. I'll say that between the two Batwoman and the John Wesley ship Flash, I was more disappointed in the amount of John Wesley ship Flash that we got because I thought there was going to be a little bit more and it. it was really, really small. Um Batwoman was pretty cool. We spent a, a decent amount of time with her and definitely got to see her, you know, out of costume, get some some character development for her. And she was really cool. So between the two, I feel like Flash was maybe wasted a little more than Batwoman, but it's also more of a, a setup, it seems, for further stuff to come. And I, I, I don't think we've seen the last of them. Right. Um, that is that's a really good point. Expectations are a big key to this. And I think I expected a little bit more of Batwoman. But I actually really like what they did because it was just an introduction and mostly to appear. We get to see a little bit of Kate Kane, a little bit of Batwoman in action, like you said. And it was just enough to introduce and say, here's the character that's going to to be on later. And it also was mainly in that one episode. So it was a story by Caroline Dries, who is going to be show running Batwoman. So I think that's really smart to have really establish the character, to let her get a chance to establish the character the way she wants to. Um, but since we did know it was going to be three episodes, uh, I think it would have been better off saying she would be in one because I kept expecting her to pop back up in the final final battle somewhere or just a little bit more. But I do like, I think it was smart the way they used her. Uh, I just expected a little bit more just because we knew it was going to be in all three episodes. And really, it was cameos in two episodes and a bigger appearance in one. But I, I think it was smart how they used, how they had the restraint there. And yeah, I was kind of disappointed in uh, the amount of John Wesley ship flash. Like you said, we're probably going to get more down the line. I don't think they got that costume just for him to disappear briefly. But yeah, since they showed, um, I wasn't expecting a ton, but I thought maybe one quick action scene where you get to see him speed around a little bit. Um, but since they showed multiple pictures, basically the two scenes he was really in, he was also in a another brief one but yeah i thought that was it and i because we saw him as the flash i thought there would be more big reveals type to come more right. surprises like that and there really weren't that would have been the biggest if i had not known that was coming i probably would have jumped out of my seat excited yeah. um but yeah it's definitely one where expectations for flash especially were there yeah and it's you know it's a really tough thing to balance because a big 
a big job of this crossover is to get some of the more casual fans who maybe only watch Supergirl or only watch Flash to be interested in the other shows that they're crossover crossovering with. I don't think that's a real word. Um, but so if you spend way too much time on these characters that aren't main characters on, you know, let's take the person who only likes Supergirl, for example. If you're if you're focusing on all these characters that aren't big characters on the Flash or Arrow, they might say, like, wow, I really want to watch the Flash because of this John Wesley ship. This guy's cool. And then they go to watch the show and he's not there at all. Um, and so you got to spend a good amount of time on the main characters as well to get those casual fans interested in the other shows. But it's a tough balance. I wouldn't want to be the one making the decision or the call to say how much screen time any one character gets. Yeah, the the expectations are important. Imagine, I know there is a lot of people who will be upset if Crisis on Infinite Earth come, Earths comes and David Ramsey is not a John Stewart Green Lantern. Right. Um, if If that's the case. I'm not really totally expecting it It wouldn't surprise me if that's the case but i'm not totally expecting it so i wouldn't be let down but i know a lot of people were thinking if you tease that you better come through later um but yeah Uh, keenan also asked if the earth 38 could be a retcon of smallville uh saying i don't remember the smallville supergirl storyline it's time for a smallville thon well yes it's it's always time for (laughs) for a smallville thon but no it does it doesn't really fit up at all uh supergirl supergirl appeared and lived with with Clark on the Kent farm for a while. There's, there's lots of reasons that doesn't fit in, not to mention characters, but even focusing on the main ones, uh, Lois and Clark were engaged before the end of Smallville. So we'd already seen that, um, lots of little things, even if you just look at this crossover, it, it doesn't really fit at all. Yeah. It, yeah, it's, I, I don't think retcon would be the right word to, to use. I think it's just a nice homage just to remind people of, of Smallville who liked it. This is, these shows wouldn't exist if Smallville hadn't existed. So it's just kind of nice to pay homage to it. All right. Well, that is all we have for today. I think we'll be back Friday. That's the plan for Aquaman talking about that. So a full review of that, and then we'll be back on a a regularly scheduled. So we will talk to you then.